0: This is Amateur Faith Night, a podcast where real life friends talk about real life religion, where questions are encouraged, doubt is talked about, and following Jesus is our main priority. Let this be a starting place for you to research things and study them out for yourself. God is bigger than all of our questions, and it is okay to not have all of the answers. All right, story time.
1: Story time. (laughs) Story time. Break it down.
0: Listen, Jocelyn's here with us again today. Gary's Gary's working on stuff he's coming back though I promise it's not he's not leaving Jocelyn looks really really like afraid
2: I'm just happy to be here
0: okay (laughs) so story time my husband Jeremy is a control freak and I drive him insane (laughs) let me let me tell you about our, our family vacations um he has to plan every every last second.
2: Even bathroom breaks. Even bathroom you breaks. He can't spend more than
0: 5 minutes in the bathroom. <laughs> but at the point that we were at Disney World one time and I had two little children with me and I could go to the bathroom at 2:42 p.m. I um said we got to talk because this is not working for me <laughs> we almost <laughs> divorced right there at the happiest place on earth <laughs> so that's the
1: I, most magical <laughs>
0: right? i say all i see <laughs> you just
2: you just corrected you on your disney reference. yes yes i did
0: sorry i i i disney messed up sorry you're right the happiest Disney place on earth is, is Disney Disneyland. Disneyland. Yes, we were at Disney World, and that's the most magical place on earth. I apologize. Don't, don't worry.
2: He did the same exact thing when we went to Disneyland. Like, we were
0: we were planned out the day. True, but it has never, ever been as bad as that trip that we were at Disney World, and I remember standing outside the bathrooms over by where the Rapunzel Castle thing is now, the Tangled Castle. It wasn't is this dead. 2016? I don't know. And No, it was before that. It had to have been like... It would have been the
1: bathrooms right across from that, which is like by Columbia Harbor house. And yeah. Peter right. That's exactly
0: where it was. New Fantasyland land wasn't open yet. I, yep. said I said that area, but I said it wasn't there. I do know things. Jeez. <laughs> it could be a this Disney is, podcast this, real quick. This was my point. exactly what I'm, what I'm showing you right now. He's a crazy person and he had us planned out so much because he's so uptight that I couldn't even pee when I wanted to on vacation i say all that to say um i'm getting on his nerves with this podcast because i'm not rehearsing with him and i'm not making (laughs) i'm not reading off of a script (laughs) and it drives him absolutely crazy a friend of mine if you don't watch her channel responsible faith faith deanna and i do interviews completely differently she's one of the planners and writes everything out and is super organized and has all of her thoughts together where me I'm just like hey what's going on sure I can do an interview tomorrow yep no problem I don't need to prepare right so um yeah apparently we we have more of a script this this podcast (laughs) than we had before (laughs) so I'm sorry I will try not to interrupt you as often take it away
1: I actually probably have less of a script, this podcast, because it's requiring (laughs) a little bit of jumping around and back and forth,
0: uh, which is tough. I annoyed him the last podcast that we recorded, because apparently I jumped around too much and I didn't go by his script that I didn't know that I had. So I apologize to you, babe, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know what's
2: going on. (laughs) Is this what Gary feels like every single time you record?
0: Probably. God love him. No, I'm just shout teasing. out to Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Gary's a good guy. <laughs> you yeah. know we we have um, educated Gary a lot. I feel like as far as um, the UPC and Pentecostal and Pentecostalism in general. To go to church? Yeah, he got he did get to go to church. I invited Jocelyn, but she didn't want to go with me. <laughs>
2: I'll take the frozen chosen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, according to a lot of our forefathers in the UPC, they would say the Frozen Chosen is part of the Lord's army, so that's okay.
0: Good segue. Good segue. Good segue, babe. Sorry, are we deviating from your notes again? No. Okay. So segue into where we left off last time.
1: Yeah, so I think this episode tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about, once again, the formation of the UPC. The PCI and the PAGC forming together to form the UPC in 1945. And then also how the ideas and beliefs of the UPC has morphed since then up until the 90s. Since the 90s, I would say it's probably been pretty stagnant. It's mm-hmm. probably not changed a whole lot other than maybe their stance on TV.
0: Well, men's beards and shorts men's beards, and things shorts. like that. Yeah.
1: But I don't think those are official things except for the TV.
0: True. Is it like amusement parks and stuff still in the Articles of Faith?
1: I believe so. Interesting. And yeah, we're going to talk about the Articles of Faith. That's some of the things that have morphed, which is really amazed me when I first learned that. Right. Uh,
0: So I think we left off where the PCI, you were talking about all the important um, people that were in the PCI mm -hmm. when, like before they were formed back together with the PAJC because they were one organization and then they separated and... Coming up to the nineteen forties, they decided to get back together again for money reasons, basically, and mm-hmm. in order to spread the gospel. Yep. I would like to think that was like the legit reason was the actual gospel, but I'll give them that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know their hearts, so can't really judge.
1: Nope. We weren't we weren't there. <laughs>
0: nope.
1: And we didn't know them personally. So going to forty five, so we've got the two organizations they met in St. Louis to kind of have a big powwow, decide if they were going to merge uh, merge or not merge. Um, And it all came down to defining Acts 2.38 and John chapter 3, specifically verse 5. It all came down to salvation, what was required for salvation. And so both sides did not want to give up their personal beliefs.
0: And again... Their beliefs were PCI, believe that you were saved upon belief, mm-hmm. upon repentance, and belief in Jesus. You were baptized as more of like a celebratory mm-hmm. um, symbol. And the speaking in other tongues was viewed as like an a extra gift on top of your salvation kind of thing. like
1: To empower your Christian life.
0: Right. Um, the PAJC believed that you were not saved at all until you had repented you were immersed in jesus name and you spoke in tongues right just to clarify
1: right so they kind of came up with a compromise and in their compromise in their articles of faith they used the word full salvation and they defined what full salvation would be full salvation would be repentance baptism by immersion in jesus name And speaking in tongues with the uh, the, receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but they would never define really what point full salvation was. So they would say basically that a believer should do all those things, but they wouldn't define that they had to do all those things. And also, they kind of agreed to disagree. So part of their unity clause was that they would not. Defend their beliefs within the organization against each other. So, for example, you weren't supposed to have one minister badmouthing in another minister because they believed differently on salvation or differently on standards. They would not contend against that just so that they would continue in unity.
0: Right. Well, and I think the PAJC had a lot more strict beliefs as far as women's clothing. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking about the. I saw you had the Pentecostal Herald up, and it reminded me of the whole hair situation. But that's fast forward. Sorry, okay, right. I'm going. I'm jumping out of the, your box again. It's
1: I'm okay. Sorry. No, you're doing great. You're doing fine. So yes, I do have the first. I have a screenshot of the very first Pentecostal Herald ever, which was a UPCI publication. This was after the formation of the organization in 1945.
0: Right. Although, clarify, it wasn't UPCI, right? It was just the UPC at that point because they adopted the UPCI later, didn't they?
1: I I think you're right. I think they did add the I later. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, so this is the very first Pentecostal Herald. They still publish these today. Uh, I want to say it's bi-monthly, but I could be wrong um, at this point. But anyway, so the editorial says, articles on subs. On such subjects as the new birth, will be accepted whether they teach that the new birth takes place before baptism in water and spirit, or that the new birth consists of baptism of water and spirit. This is indeed the proper attitude toward the most vital subject, as we are all seeking after truth, and are confident that God will lead us into all truth by His Spirit. It is to be remembered that any and all material written in the spirit of controversy will be rejected by the editor and the board of publication. I would love to see someone try to submit an article to the Pentecostal Herald today <laughs> to be published stating you can be saved upon repentance and belief in Jesus Christ. Do you think that would happen, honey?
2: No, probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. Probably not. That's a <laughs> like that's not even a probability.
0: That's a 100% absolute no. So, <laughs> yeah. So, But I find that interesting. So this Pentecostal Herald was released after the formation of the UPC, which included the PAJC and the PCI. Um, They were basically saying, we're just going to agree to disagree, and we're all going to get along anyway. Right. Um, Which, like you just mentioned, that would never happen. I don't know about any other churches, because you always have the person that comes back and says, well, my UPC church wasn't like that. But I know where I came from and I know the people that I used to associate with and they made fun of other denominations, like from the pulpit Mm -hmm. and especially behind closed doors, there is no way that they would let something like that into anything that I have ever seen from my perspective.
1: Right. Yeah. um, And I, I, and I, I really read that to point out, there are people within the upc today will say well yes there were just a handful of ministers that believed that you know you were saved upon repentance it was a very minority group they'll try to tell you that that's obviously not true at all if that had been the case there wouldn't have been an issue in the city of st louis with them trying to decide if they were going to merge or not they would have easily merged Mm -hmm. it was a long squabble to make that merger happen they had to compromise. And if that was the case, the very first Pentecostal Herald would not have brought up the fact that, hey, we will publish articles on both sides of the fence. And we're not going to, you know, squabble over this. This is just the way it's going to be. If it had been just a very small minority group, it would have been ignored altogether.
0: Right. Well, important key piece of history, too, is, as we mentioned in our last podcast, Howard Goss was the very first superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. Mm-hmm. And he was the superintendent of the PCI, which was the organization that believes salvation happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Upon, Upon repentance. Upon
0: repentance, correct. So why would they have voted him in? If How could they have voted him in if that was the minority? Right. This, this first
2: Pentecostal Herald, that's like public record.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. right yeah Yeah, it's available online you can read it and the upc um you can actually buy a i don't know blu-ray or dvd whatever that's got pdfs of all the heralds now that's assuming they'll still sell it to you that's assuming that they don't remove that one or oops it's gone but it is available online you can find it
3: Mm
2: -hmm. do you think they teach from this information in
0: upc accredited And supported Bible colleges? I
1: highly doubt it. They may.
0: They might. I can't say because I've personally never been. However, from all of the people that I've ever spoken to about this, no one has ever been taught that. That I've never ran into one person that's went to UPCI Bible college that has been taught this stuff. And like Jeremy said before, I don't even remember when at some point during the series... You know, you can find this stuff online. It's not like we're making this up. It's not like we're getting it from some kind of sketchy, you know, hearsay website. This is, I mean, documented information.
1: Yeah. And and had that belief upon salvation and repentance been a, a minor thing, there's no way that Howard Goss would have been voted in as the general superintendent. Right. And what I find interesting is the first two superintendents, General Goss and the gentleman that followed him, and I can't remember his name, both were of the PCI tradition. It took 23 years before someone was voted in as general superintendent that was of the PAJC following.
0: That's interesting. 23 years.
1: So if they had been a minority in their theology, then they wouldn't have put faith in those men. Right. To be their leader.
0: Right. Well, and... Like you said, the Pentecostal Herald wouldn't have been, had to have address it in the very first um, issue. And the Articles of Faith would have been written differently. So mm-hmm. I don't think we've gotten into that yet.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, to talk a little bit about that, it was said, and there are different quotes, um, but it is said that had they included the words in the uh, Articles of Faith under the fundamental doctrine for the remission of sins, that the merger would have never taken place. And we're gonna talk a little bit here in 1973 how they went back and changed that.
0: Right. But what was the actual wording? Because we talked a little bit before about Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight, and how the two different groups interpreted that mm-hmm. differently. So I know they had to address that. So
1: Well, they did. They left it as a compromise. They used the term full salvation and they really didn't determine they they did say full salvation included repentance water baptism by immersion in Jesus name and evidence of speaking in tongues or evidence of the Holy Ghost by speaking in tongues but they really wouldn't define that where the point of salvation took place right
0: I thought there was a specific wording though that left out the words for the remission of sin
1: yeah they they just didn't put that baptism was for the remission of sin until 1973. And we'll gotcha. cover that here in a bit. Gotcha. What we're about to jump into is standards, holiness standards, mm-hmm. um, which I think a lot of the ladies out there may be interested to hear this. And even some of the men, because it definitely interests me. Um, All I, the
0: ladies interested you.
1: Yeah. Ladies <laughs> do interest me. <laughs>
0: uh, awesome space.
1: So now we're actually going to take a quote from the book, Christianity Without the Cross. Um, we're going to give Thomas A. Fudge, Doctor Fudge, credit for this. Page two ninety eight. Ruth Yaden, wife of C. H. Yaden, told her daughters that in the old days of the Oneness Movement, women trimmed their hair, wore beads and pearls, beads and pearls, and this was not a point of controversy and certainly not a spiritual issue. Clyde Haney said effectively the same thing, noting that it was not uncommon to see makeup and cut hair on women in the oneness Pentecostalism even into the 1950s.
0: Right. Well, and I think something else that uh, when we were researching all of this that I came across, if you have not found the website spiritualabuse.org, um, if you're researching this this kind of stuff, go there immediately because um, Lois Gibson is amazing and has all of this buried in that website there's just so much information she has you can kind of have to dig for things but just because she has so much stuff but ethel goss mm-hmm. wrote a book called winds of god and we got a hold of it somehow i don't know if we actually bought a copy because i believe you can download
1: you can find copies online it's it's a really hard book to find and if you find it you're actually going to get an edited copy Right. most likely Which most what, likely
0: this this was the this was the point that made me very very angry honestly
2: i remember specifically when we found out that they had edited their books specifically this book like i i remember how angry my mom was and just like we stayed up so late talking about it for like ever and it's just it's mind-blowing
1: And you'll have some come back and say no they didn't edit that um go back a couple episodes we played a clip of a current upci minister Mm -hmm. admitting that that book had been edited and the reason why it had been edited
0: right so ethel goss wrote a book called winds of god and in that book she talks about how people um oh you have the quote look at you um it says it was not long after when former holiness preachers had become part of us so originally the holiness ministers weren't a part of the... Oneness. Oneness organizations. Yes, I'll just point that little... That bit out right there. Um, that strict plainness of dress began to be taught. But I, th- I believe that she goes on to say something along the lines of, um, you know, women would just wear the best that they had. Mm-hmm. She And their, their dress wasn't regulated, basically. Um, she
1: even mentions jewelry being normal.
0: Right. And... The United Pentecostal Church Organization has edited that book because they bought the rights to edit, so they reserve that right, I guess, to edit that book and republish it. However, to me, that's a little shady.
1: We don't talk about Bruno. So let's talk a little bit about the Articles of Faith and how they now vary from what they originally were. So if we read the Articles of Faith in regards to holiness, there's There are principles in the original articles of faith about holiness, and there are scriptures that they reference, Um, but there isn't any do's or don'ts in the original UPC articles of faith under holiness. Once again, they're pulling documentation actually from the PCI. They said, Godly living should characterize the life of every child of the Lord, and we should live according to the pattern and example given the word of God. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Titus two eleven and twelve.
0: And they're not wrong.
1: No, they're not. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who then, he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but permitted, but committed himself to him, the judges right, righteously. Peter 2 21 through 23 and it gives some more verses but there isn't a list of do's and don'ts in the original UPC articles of faith under holiness what I found really interesting is in 1952 they decided that that was no longer good enough to live by principles of the word and by allowing the Holy Spirit to convict your heart
0: so seven years into the making of this organization
1: yes okay, they went back And they changed their articles of faith under holiness. And forgive me, I have to blow this up a little bit so that I can read it. He's really old. Yeah, I should have my glasses, but I don't. They left pretty much everything intact, um, but they did add some do's and don'ts. So in addition to what we just read, they added, We wholeheartedly disapprove of people indulging in any activities which are not conductive to good Christianity and godly living, such as theaters, Dances, mixed bathing or swimming, women cutting their hair, makeup, any apparel that immodestly exposes the body, all worldly sports and amusements, unwholesome radio programs and music. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, because of the display of all these evils on television, we disapprove of any of our people having television sets in their homes we admonish all of our people to refrain from any of these practice in the interest of spiritual progress and the soon coming of the lord for his church all
0: right now hold on one thing i do want to point out what year was that 1950
1: 1952
0: what was on tv in the 1950s isn't that like leave it to beaver
1: i don't even know if beaver was on yet
0: Was Andy Griffith even on? No, I don't think so. I mean, come on. What was on television program in the 1950s that was so awful that we couldn't watch?
1: I don't know. But once again, this is a clear cut line that they did not teach as a whole. Now, there might have been churches. There might have been ministers. But as a whole, they did not teach prior to 1952 that these were salvational issues.
2: The Adventures of Superman, nineteen fifty-two. You can't watch <laughs> Adventures of Superman.
1: And jo- with George Reeves.
2: Yes,
0: with George Reeves. I don't know what that is, but it sounds riveting.
1: Um, I love
2: Lucy. You can't watch that either.
0: I mean, they slept in separate beds. That is sinful. Yeah. A b- bunch of bunch of you know crazy stuff was going on there.
1: She stomped grapes to make wine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, seriously, what was going <laughs> on? Demon I mean, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Come on.
1: But yeah, to me, to me, it's it's crazy that at first they're like, okay, holiness, we're, we're going to live on scripture, we're going to live on principles, and we're going to live on letting the Holy Spirit convict us. To 1952, they're delegating holiness by making actual rules. Mm-hmm. And with what they just listed, they didn't list any verses to coincide with those do's and don'ts. To explain why, other than what they had previously listed before, which are just generalized principles.
0: Right. But again, I don't I didn't hear you mention anything specific about like women in pants.
1: No, it does it doesn't mention that, other than a modest dress mm-hmm. that exposes the body. So I guess women in pants may expose the body.
2: Was mixed swimming talking about gender or race?
0: Gender. Huh? Gender. Well, it was the 50s. Well, I mean, I'm, race was a big component. You're not wrong there as far as um, why the UPC even existed to begin with because they broke off, you know at some point from the PAW and race had a lot to do with that. We didn't really get into that a whole lot, um, but that is a super interesting topic if you're interested in getting into all that. That's a whole nother avenue that we didn't even we didn't even brush the surface of but I love the fact that you're innocent enough to ask me that because that just tells me that you've been out long enough that you didn't know.
2: No, it's not innocent. I was just trying to ask a question and be involved. (laughs) Okay.
1: So now we're going to play a a clip. Um, Just like the last episode, this is from uh, Lauren Yaden's message at the landmark conference in Stockton, California. Um, Right after the, reaffirmation of faith and Westberg resolution was ratified. And we're about to get into that, but he's going to talk a little bit about wild eyed conservatives.
3: I think it's time for us to boldly and honestly tell our children, our true history. I see a tendency in our movement to rewrite it. Tell the younger generation, tell them. That our first general superintendent, Brother Howard Goss, referred to his friends in the assembly of God as his brethren in Christ. I wonder, would Howard Goss be allowed in our pulpit today? But he was our first general superintendent. Tell the younger people that. Tell them how Brother Andrew Urshan used to frequently worship in the Baptist Church in Long Beach, California. And when you publish his books, don't edit out those questions about who he thinks are going to be in heaven. Go ahead and show them all the pictures of our heritage. Show them all. Show them the pictures of our elders and beards. Show them Sister Olive Haney with a little necklace around her neck out of Brother Frank Ewart's church. Now, you may not agree with the standard they held at the time, but at least tell the young people that was who they were. Don't make them out to be something they were not. The stories that sometimes the young people are getting that some of these men were wild-eyed conservative radicals when, in fact, that was not the case at all. Tell them that at one time, there was a Trinitarian lady on the college staff.
0: <laughs> Jocelyn's face. <laughs>
1: Jocelyn's got her hand up again.
2: I'm trying to gather my thoughts. <laughs> because I've heard this before. You know, we've listened to this same message for the past three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you know um but just they were probably so mad at him because you can hear people in the background some agreeing and like cheering and then you hear other people go no <laughs> like i i can't even imagine like i the discourse and the shock because i'm sure this was not the approved message that he handed in to them oh i'm sure not
1: I'm no sure
0: not. to preach
1: to, to me and it it wasn't so the message if you if you find a copy of the full message it's about an hour long um what most likely you'll find it's
0: called the tragedy of war yes the, the, well, the you...
1: name the name of the sermon is called the tragedy of war the full message, he starts out with about 20 minutes talking about abortion and how that is a tragedy of war during our current culture. Mm-hmm. Then he goes into the tragedy of war of how the UPC was warring within itself and tearing itself apart.
0: Yeah, because apparently this was a really big thing. So in the 90s when when this came out, I was super young because mm-hmm. I'm not old. Just throwing that out there. I was super young um but we had also just gotten into the upc mm-hmm. back in 1991 um 1990 i think was when my mom got in so it's not like she was really privy to any of the you know things that were coming down from the top that information so i was certainly not aware of you know but the I guess the discord that was going on within the ranks of the UPC, but this made national news.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It made national news in many different publications.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know. I just, I've, I never even knew that was a thing. I know at one point I had a minister tell me the reason why the general conference congregations were smaller than they, what they used to be was because, um, They started like pushing offerings more or money more or something and people didn't want to that's not the case well that's what I was getting at (laughs) (laughs) because this was a this was a huge thing in the 90s so I don't know am I taking over your notes here no go ahead we go from progressing to we're going to you know fellowship in unity here even though we disagree about these big salvific issues and holiness standards to a few years later starting to impose more man-made holiness standards than what we did and then in the 70s then at that point that's when they
1: they really started hitting on salvation
0: right and that's where when they took out or they didn't include the words for the remission of sins in their original articles of faith, faith but in the 70s they went ahead and slipped it in and i think there was a little bit of controversy as far as there there that is as there well. is well
1: So now that we've talked a little bit about, um, standards, holiness standards, um, now we're going to get back into the salvational part and how it's kind of morphed. And we've talked a little bit about that already kind just by talking about the beliefs of the PCI versus the PAJC. Uh, but this is from a 1951 Pentecostal Herald. So we're talking six years into the UPC organization. Um, the December uh, issue. If you want to find it, you can. They During that time period, they had a section of the Herald, each, or each um, issue had a section called News from the Field. And it was basically little um, like testimonials about what's going on in local churches. And I found this one interesting. Thayer, Missouri, we are praising the Lord for a wonderful revival just passed sister lola may thacker from metamora illinois was with us for two weeks in september preaching and singing the gospel message god wonderfully blessed her efforts by saving 22 souls that's important remember that 22 souls and baptizing six believers with the holy ghost Mm -hmm. a spirit of unity and love was witnessed throughout the meeting the last day of the service we had communion foot washing and dinner on the church ground Also in the afternoon, we had the privilege of baptizing 17 people in the name of the Lord. We will welcome Sister Thacker back with us at any time. Reverend G.M. Hall, pastor. Um, So they said during this revival, they had 22 souls that were saved. Six spoke in tongues. Mm -hmm. 17 were baptized.
0: Right. So how were the other ones saved if they didn't speak in tongues?
1: Exactly. So obviously in 1951 we had churches within the upc and because their articles of faith allowed for it they were preaching and teaching that salvation came upon repentance and faith in the finished work of the cross in jesus christ Mm -hmm. which is personally what i believe right um but once again that would never take place today within the upc and if it did it wouldn't be too long before you had your license yanked
0: well right because leading up to that, like we were saying in the 70s, that's when they decided to then insert the words for the remission of sins. And I think at that point in time, they were, it wasn't a superintendent from the PCI standpoint.
1: No, if I remember correctly, it would have been uh, Stanley Chambers.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, he was definitely not PCI.
1: No, no, he was not. Um. So to kind of get a little bit about, once again, going into salvation, and we're about to get into the 70s, um, I'd like to talk about two specific Bible colleges within the organization at that time period. We briefly mentioned one already, um, Conquerors Bible College, which later became Cascade Bible College. And I'd also like to mention Jackson College of Ministry, which I believe that one is actually still around. Mm -hmm. Um, Conquerors did end up closing. But some of the things that these colleges taught, that healing um, was not part of the atonement. Um, ties was an Old Testament custom. Huh. Um, most holiness standards was legalism. Baptism of the Holy Spirit was not salvific. End time prophecy in both of these colleges were pretty much ridiculed. Um and what was taught was from a preterist viewpoint.
0: That's another topic I would love to get into at one point.
1: Babe, would you like to kind of briefly explain preterism?
0: <laughs> yes, Jocelyn. You look like you're about to say something.
2: No, I'm just, sh- I'm in shock.
1: <laughs> These are UPC Bible colleges.
0: Right. So I know that nowadays I didn't even, this this is one of those things. It's like when you're when I was raised in this, right. And so I had no idea that I had an option and these are some topics. Well, you didn't. Right. But (laughs) no, well, I did. I just didn't know that I did. Um, These are topics that I do want to get into at some point in our podcast future. Um, One of them is eschatology. And I didn't even know what the word eschatology meant until I left the organization. And basically it's just the study of end times. Um, But I had no idea that's, such a thing called preterism has existed or partial preterism, where you believe that most, if not all of the prophecy in the book of revelations and all of discourse have already happened in the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Um, that takes a whole lot of the scare out of end times. And I don't, I know that's a huge trigger for a lot of people. Um, but keep in mind if you were a part of the UPC, they didn't necessarily teach what they teach now. They taught preterism. That was very common. They could. They could teach preterism. Now they which, can't. True. Now they can't. They changed it. But that was a pretty common belief back then. Mm-hmm. So I just want to bring that up. And, and at some point in our podcast, you know, whether it be six months or a year down the road, at some point I do want to kind of get into... Um, the different beliefs about eschatology, just because, like I said, I didn't even know that was a thing that I could decide what I believed. Um, I just thought I had to believe what I was told, and that was a whole lot of fear. Um, But anyway, it is interesting that now you would be considered a heretic, I believe, if you believed in preterism at all.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Another example of some of these teachings of these two colleges. Dan Lewis was a professor of systematic theology, um, he taught that you should not have to be rebaptized or required to be rebaptized um, if you had previously been baptized in Triune Formula. So he didn't require people to be rebaptized. He didn't teach that they should. Um, and he was a professor at uh, Jackson College of Ministry. Um,
0: he also wrote a book, right?
1: Yes, he did.
0: Yeah, the Journey Out of the United Pentecostal Church.
1: I think so. Journey yeah. Out, I think, is what journey. it's called. Yeah. Um, He um, also taught that um, you were filled with the Holy Ghost at repentance and accepting Christ. That speaking in tongues was not a requirement of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Classes such as Romans was taught with a reformational viewpoint. Hmm. And Galatians was taught uh, from a viewpoint of salvation through faith. Or by faith, I'm sorry. Salvation by faith. Uh, To kind of give you another idea, this name may kind of just spring because this was a big name for a while. Um, If you look at the old pillars of the UPC, Harry uh, Sism Sism, uh, reported that the new birth of spirit and water was openly debated in these colleges. So it was like, okay, we're going to accept both and we're going to teach both because we're going to educate you so that you can make an informed decision. Make
0: your, your decision yourself. Right. Which I believe there's another um, clip in that message by Lauren Yadin when he's talking about the history. I think you mentioned that. Right? Am I going to blow your? If I, am I going to steal your thunder? No,
1: <laughs> I, I don't know where you're going.
0: If <laughs> he says, "What difference does it make as to why we're baptizing in Jesus' name?" Well, as yes, as long as we are name. baptizing in Jesus' name. Yep,
1: I was not ready to play that clip, but that is what he says. Oh, I thought you weren't going to play no. that.
0: See, I keep messing you up. I'm no, sorry. you should di- have shared your notes with me beforehand. Like, you should have made me stick to the script and told me when I could pee.
1: <laughs> I just. Go ahead.
2: That's how you should teach at a Bible college. You should give them all of the information and let students decide. And it's just mind boggling to me how quickly that these things have changed in the UPC. Because once again, the 50s, 60s, 70s aren't that, like, that wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. You're
0: right. They're not that long ago. <laughs>
2: well, considering modern history is what everything within 100, 200 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, once again, that's just a general overview of how things could have been taught. Within the UPC how it could have been preached how it could have been believed and that would have been considered acceptable Now there's people that may not have agreed with it or liked it But it was acceptable mm-hmm. and you could have been a licensed minister and taught and believed and preached those things
0: right
1: um, So 1973 general conference Salt Lake City and it seems like it always happens in Salt Lake City
0: or St. Louis
1: or St. Louis
0: Yeah,
1: nothing wrong with Salt Lake City. I've been there a couple times a beautiful city but 1973, UPC General Conference, Salt Lake City. They decided they need to go back and change the fundamental doctrine again. And this time it was to add five small words for the remission of sins. I think that's five words. Yes, five words (laughs) for the remission of sins. Yeah, I had to count. (laughs) And so we, we talked in the previous episode of why that is so important. Because once again, the the UPCI will currently teach, and they may change again. They've changed a lot. (laughs) But they'll say (laughs) that they haven't. But they currently teach that in order for your sins to be remitted. AKA
0: forgiven, but they say remitted.
1: Right, remitted. And by their definition, washed away. So you're already forgiven by repenting. But in order for them to be washed away, you have to be baptized. And in Acts 2, verse 38, the word for, they will define it as meaning in order to obtain. So in order to obtain the remission of sins, you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Up into that view up until that time period, they did not include the words for the remission of sins. And it's recorded that had that been included when they tried to originally merge, that the merger would have never taken place. And actually, um, Stanley Chambers, who was the one that overseen this conference and overseen this change, he is the one that actually is quoted as saying that. Had they pushed for that, back in 1945, the merger would have never taken place. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: My opinion, these two groups should have never merged together. Right. I'm actually kind of glad they did, because you can see a lot of the falsehood. But in my opinion, they never should have.
0: So in the 70s, they decided to add it?
1: Yes, they decided to add it. Now, the story behind this is you had a gentleman um, that sat on the board at the time. His name was W.M. Greer. He was from the PCI tradition. Once again, he did not believe baptism was required for salvation. He believed that salvation took place at repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and the act of the cross. He was asked by Nathaniel Mershon, to second the motion to make this happen. Greer at the time asked if he could continue to believe as he always had, as long as they did not define what the word for meant, even though they were including those words in the documentation. Nathaniel Ershon agreed that he could. And so because of that, he did go ahead and second the motion. Because Nathaniel Ershine gave him his word that he and fellow light believers could continue to believe and agree and teach the way they always had, as long as they didn't define what the word for meant, even though they were now including it. Gotcha. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I'm just. When did the guy die? Which guy? The guy that we were talking about last night. Which guy? He said things were about to change and he goes up. What general conference was that?
2: Oh,
1: um, I think you're referring to Witherspoon. I could be wrong, but yes, there, there is a story and I can't remember the name of the gentleman. He was general and superintendent. Um, he had talked about how he was about to give a message at a general conference that was going to change the direction of the UPC. And on the way to the platform, he passed away suddenly of a heart attack. Um, It is said that Stanley Chambers went and picked up his notes, kind of thumbed and looked through it, and later destroyed and got rid of it. And when he was questioned as to what the message would have been about, he said it was nothing of any importance that anyone needed to know. I've always wondered what that message was going to be and what it could have been.
2: That's so
0: sketchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm not saying anything nefarious took place that killed that gentleman. I'm no, not saying but it's that.
0: really sketch that he threw the notes and, away. And like shredded them, like destroyed the notes.
1: And it, I mean, that was intended to be spoken to the people.
0: So I was in my head, I was probably wrong. Cause I was thinking that happened at that general conference.
1: No, it wasn't at that one. It
0: wasn't at that one. So it was after that. Right. Gotcha. Right. Okay.
1: So what, uh, there's a, there's a quote that I kind of found that was funny. At least it was funny to me. So, when this was all taking place at General Conference in 1973, it's recorded that a gentleman by the name of Jen Zini, the superintendent of the Central New England District, stated in regards to the proposal, he said, next, we'll be teaching people they need the Holy Ghost baptism to be saved. So once again, we're definitely seeing that it was...
0: This was the 70s, you guys. This is 1970. This is not that long ago. And I know we keep saying that, but it just kills me because I was always taught this is the way things have always been from the day of the apostles. In fact, nowadays, they like to call themselves apostolics, meaning like the apostles. Can we
2: just clarify what it means to be an apostle real quick? Go ahead. Well, sorry, is this not on the notes? <laughs> no, it's
1: perfectly fine. Go ahead.
2: Well, an apostle is someone who physically saw the resurrection of Jesus.
0: Am I am I wrong?
1: That is That's one of the requirements. The,
0: right. right. How Well, cuz they're not how, saying they're apostles. They're saying they're
1: like the they're
2: apostles.
0: Like. That's how they can get by with it. I don't know. To me, I'd rather be like Jesus. I
2: would rather be like I don't know about you, but yeah, I'd rather be like Jesus.
0: Yeah. But I mean, this—that's what kills me about all of this because, yeah, um, things have changed a little bit since Act Chapter Two. I'm sorry, but you're not the same.
1: No, I mean, we can see from the last couple episodes they are not the same at all. They've changed. They're not—they're not the same as the apostles, and they're not the same as when they first started. And I
0: know that we brought this up too in one of the one of the um, very first episodes of this series. But their view on speaking in tongues even as, like, a heavenly language and not an actual earthly language is even different. I mean, in Acts chapter 2. So Mm -hmm. we've morphed, as we can see, throughout this, I mean, just the 1900s. It's insane. The, I don't know, the... I don't know i i it just it's disheartening to me because i just feel like i'm making my head against the wall (laughs) like this is nothing like what i was ever portrayed what was ever portrayed to me nothing
1: yeah so we can see that they've became more strict on holiness standards we can see that they're becoming more strict on what is required for salvation. They're working on that. They're getting to that point where they're really pushing out a lot of these PCI style beliefs. So now we're getting to the 90s. So we're talking 30 years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. This this fall, the reaffirmation of faith or the Westberg resolution is what it was originally referred to. 30 years ago. Not long at all.
0: Not that
1: long. Not that long Definitely at
0: all. Definitely not the Apostles' time.
1: No, not the Apostles' time. And once again, this is showing how they've morphed in their beliefs about salvation. And they'll tell you that it's been the same since Acts 2, that mm-hmm. they've not changed. But to kind of get into that, the Westberg Resolution, which is later referred to as the reaffirmation of faith, it was a document that you, a minister would have to sign once a year, It was later changed to every other year that if you were to be a licensed minister, you had to teach and preach and believe holiness standards as the organization put forth. And that also salvation was through a three-step process, repentance, baptism by immersion in Jesus name to remit your sins in order to obtain remission of sin and receiving the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues. If you did not sign this, then you would eventually lose your license. I think they would give you like a warning. Hey, you need to sign this document and get it sent in by this date. But there would come a point that you would lose your license. If we go to, to quote Christianity without the cross, uh, page two Oh six Westberg saw himself as a defender of the truth. And the resolution was his method of attempting to stem the tide of compromise disguised as toleration and a wishy-washy stand on truth. David F. Gray confirmed that the Westberg initiative was aimed at the remnant of the PCI thinking within the UPC, and many ministers accepted this was part of the agenda summarized in the resolution. To skip down a little bit, Westberg cannot abide gladly, and he denounced those who did not share his views on holiness standards, and he referred to them as perverts, dogs, vile piles of trash, demon-possessed, heretics, hypocrites, cats, and so on when questioned westberg said my people dress modestly modestly or else now keep in mind this is like on the conference floor you know they're debating this someone said or else what he said or else they're not my people it's that simple
0: well that sounds like kim haney i about to say getting advice from kim haney (laughs) (laughs) oh and it's so crazy how quickly this morphed
1: yeah so
0: and now we're (laughs) leading up to the message by lauren yaden
1: yes yeah what we've played a few clips of we we see that yeah how once again this is definitely more so we're going to talk about a little bit about what happened on the conference floor that day to get that ratified they had asked
0: that was a, ratified that was the really country version of ratified ra- ratified ratified. Ratified. <laughs> ratified they
1: asked uh james kilgore who was a big name preacher within the organization to speak on the behalf of the general board to the voting members of the ministers that were there to vote on this resolution. They asked for him to speak on behalf of it to try to get it passed. And he came forth and told the ministers that 99% of the general board supported the resolution and that they should vote to approve it. Three months later, 25% of the general board went on record that they opposed the resolution. That was 25%. He said that only 1% opposed it, and I would bet there was actually more that opposed it that they were just not willing to stand up for what they actually believed in.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, you're you're talking these people's livelihood depended on this because these are the people who actually were ministers by trade. Mm-hmm. They, that was their job. So it, I'm sure a lot of them went along with it just mm-hmm. because what else were they going to do? Not eat? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these people had to agree to this or they would lose their livelihood because keep in mind, the majority of these ministers, it's not like they went to a traditional seminary, traditional college. They went to unaccredited Bible colleges that were sanctioned by the UPC. Not until recently have they had accredited schools.
2: That was the point I was trying to make earlier. Like, you know, to be a UPC licensed minister, all you have to do is apparently take a 20-question quiz... And, like, you're only qualified for UPC churches. It's not like a traditional seminary
0: mm-hmm. or,
2: like, a non-denominational, you know, Well, they believe theology so degree.
0: differently than all the rest of the organized religions Right. Of you, it
2: can't be applied anywhere else. I say
0: religions. Organized. What's the word I'm looking Faith. for? I don't know. I'm, it's late. It is but, late. I <laughs> know. But, no, you're right. It is, but it's because they're so exclusive with their beliefs. They have to be
1: to, to piggyback on something you said earlier um, you had mentioned that you have been told by a minister the reason why the general conferences were so grand and so large in the 90s and we remember them being as children being there mm-hmm. and there being tens of thousands of people to all of a sudden in the last 10 15 years they're trying to get 5,000 people to show up they'll say it's because they started charging to for people to be in the services um after that resolution took place it is said that over a period of three years they lost a little over a thousand ministers on count because of this Hmm. some left right away because they refused to sign uh some were really vocal some signed for like a year or two and then they said their conscience got to them and they can no longer do so they didn't feel that it was ethical and the right thing to do Mm -hmm. um but yeah, over a period of about three years, they lost a 1,000 ministers, including a gentleman by the name of Robert Sabin who had been like one of their biggest apologists. He even appeared on a TV show yeah. with Nathaniel Irshan to defend oneness and defend the UPC beliefs on salvation. He even left saying that it was wrong for them to impose these on the ministers because that's not what had been agreed upon in the original 45 merger agreement.
0: Right. Well, and I do find... Um you no, know, we're talking about the numbers you know i'm not again i'm not really um privy to information as far as like what their actual numbers and everything are but you do have to think too because after this happened in the 90s in the 2000s there was another split to mm-hmm. the wpf because the upc television right wasn't being they strict again. enough on on tv so again yes they they wanted more strictive rules or regulations or legalism or whatever you want to call it control basically and the organization split one more time as of recent so i don't know i at the point that i know i keep drilling in and i keep getting going back to is that it's not the same they like to play that it's the same, and they believe the same way, but it's not. They've had so many changes of command, so many changes of beliefs, so many ratifications to their articles of faith just in the last 80 years that the organization is unrecognizable from what it was in the 1940s.
1: And we're, we're not talking small things. These are large things. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, I don't know. It's not even like something new came about. Like, for example, in the 40s, the internet would have never been thought of. Right. So when the internet becomes prominent in the late 90s, early 2000s, that they make a stand against it. It's Which not. they it's never not,
0: did. Don't you find that a little ironic?
1: But they did television. Yeah. Yeah, I find that odd. Yeah. And, and radio.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, okay. But what, what I find odd is it's not even like something changed within culture. They said we have to go back and change to add this so you know because once again like i said in the 40s the internet would have never been thought of as a possibility so why even discuss something like that Mm -hmm. they
0: yeah i don't know um i i knew this was going to be the last couple episodes were going to be a little more serious as far as us because we're pretty sarcastic people and laugh a lot just because it's i feel like it's healthier but you know you do you boo Um, but this to me is just so sombering. It's so sombering because there are so many thousands of people, thousands of people that believe what they're spoon fed. And I keep going back to David Bernard, but if you look at his Facebook page all day long, that's what it'll say. It's just like the apostles and nothing has changed and yada, yada, yada. And that's just not true. And when you get to the point where you're having to go back and rewrite books or omit information from books or stop publishing books that were written in your history, that's an issue. And I, the deception level to me is—that's
1: cultic behavior,
0: right? Right, it is. And what's the what's the purpose? Because if you really have, if what you really have is the truth, if. What you're really peddling is 100% gospel truth. Why do you have to cover things up? Why do you have to change things? You shouldn't. You shouldn't have to because the truth is going to win. It's going to prevail. My mom always said that. That was one of the things my mom always said when I was growing up. The truth will always win out. And it does. It will always be found out. But when you get to the point where you feel like you have to cover it up in order to hold on to constituents, I feel like that is... Just evil. Mm -hmm. And so people um, get offended at me a lot because I speak out against their religion, and religion is personal. So I get it, and I'm going to cry. But that's why. It's because your identity cannot be a church organization. It has to be in Christ. Because this is just... Messed up, man. It's just messed up. And so, the point where you wrap your entire being into this man made organization, that becomes a serious, serious problem. And that's what I'm speaking out against the organization of the United Pentecostal Church, not the people in it, not God. I didn't turn my back on God, but talking about how cultish this is how damaging this is and how much deception and fraud is wrapped up into this organization um i think it needs to be talked about
1: so to kind of wrap things up in the words of marty huggins from the movie the campaign get a broom because it's a (laughs) mess
0: Well, that concludes our series about the history of uh, Pentecostalism. If you guys have any questions or issues or whatever, I mean, I am definitely all ears. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with what you have to say. And if you want to critique our podcast, then that's totally fine, too. doesn't mean I'm going to agree with what you have to say, but I am always willing to listen. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And I really hope that um, hopefully you picked something up out of this. It's interesting. But I know how heavy it can be also if you have that history. So, all right, guys. Well, we will see you next time.